are listening to the Tri Order Transmissions Episode 160. And now, here are Jeff, Heather, Craig, and Ian. again and welcome to episode 116 of the Tricorder Transmissions original mission. Tonight we're going to be looking for essential Trek moments in the 10th episode of the animated series Mud's Passion. I am Jeff Hewlett and here with me in the studio are two of our Tricorder Transmissions hosts. First up, you know her from our Shore Leave series. She's been <laughs> secretly lobbying the next Trek film to be a Disney triple crossover. It's the wonderful Heather Barker. <laughs> I would never, ever wish that upon anyone. <laughs> really? Captain Mickey and the Tribbles? <laughs> oh my god, no. That's sacrilege. We might see Star Wars and Disney get merged in a film someday, so why not Star oh. Trek? Uh, no, no. Oh. <laughs> and uh, also with us is the soon-to-be seafaring co-host of our Gold Key comic series, Mr. Ian Adams. Hello. How's it going? Not too bad. Good to talk with you guys again. Yeah, good to talk to you too. And uh, it's a little break from the comics that we've been doing for a while. So nice to jump back to the animated series. Yeah. And what an episode. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. This is an interesting <laughs> one. So just to, before we get there though, quick reminder to the listeners who've been with us for a while. This is uh, again, a bit of a format change from our past commentary track episodes. We've opened up the essential voting to all of our Tricorder series hosts and added this discussion bit at the beginning of the episode and our normal commentary track will follow uh, with Craig Cohen just a little bit later. So um, hang on in there for that one. So as I said, we're talking about Mud's Passion, which is the 10th episode of the animated series written by Stephen Kendall, who actually wrote the previous two Mud episodes, Mud's Women and I Mud, as well as another animated series episode coming up a little later called The Jihad. And while this episode does mark the last time we see the Mud character on screen, fear not, intrepid listeners, that Ian and I will be encountering him once more when we get to issue 61 of Gold Key Comics uh, Operation yeah. Con Game. I know Ian's looking forward to that one. Indeed. Yeah. The, that's, I think that might be the final Gold Key as well. I think that might yeah, be 61 is. Yeah, so that's, that's the end. Yeah, the, the mythic uh, unreleased one uh, I think was going to be 62, but... Never wound up materializing. Kind of fun fact, though, about the Mud character that that is I found kind of funny in, in some of my research is that he appears in far more novels and comics than he does on television series. So uh, he's in three novels, five DC comics, and most recently one of the John Byrne photo novels uh, made out of Mud, which actually should interest Heather because it also features Tribbles. Oh, yay. Tribbles. Yeah. So maybe we'll, we'll we'll hit that maybe way down in the future when we get that far. But um, so this is actually a direct continuation of the pre the prior iMud episode. I don't know. Was anybody else kind of disappointed that they wrote another kind of love potion money making scheme 
for for mud did you guys think that it was kind of a, a bit of a rehash or did you take it more uh as an homage to to mud's women what did you think heather uh, I'd say it's more just an homage to what he is and what he does. I mean, he's, he's nothing really special guys. <laughs> uh, it's funny you say that. Cause I remember, um, uh, contribute to the show from a long time ago. Chris Ritzer was a very anti mud. And, and anytime we <laughs> talked about mud, he was just absolutely beside himself. Uh, Ian, do you, do you think it was a rehash more of an homage? How did you take it? Yeah. I, you know, it, it used so many of the same, you know, sort of story elements. Um, I guess let me back up because it, it actually introduced a whole lot of things that you definitely never saw in other mud shows, but the premise of a love potion mm-hmm. was definitely a rehash. Like they could have, they could have gone with something else as, as the, the sort of MacGuffin of the episode I thought. And <laughs> yeah. then it would have felt fresh like completely, but um Mud was a, you know, he was a really, really popular character for some reason, probably because of, you know, George Carmel or uh, Roger Carmel, sorry, um, you know, who, who did play him quite well. And um, uh, one thing just to note about this this episode that I always thought was curious was that uh, Roger Carmel voiced Mud in this just as he had played him in the, the TOS Mud episodes, but he wasn't actually credited which I thought was always really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always wondered why they did that. Because they, they they credited the um, returning actors in prior TAS episodes, didn't they? Yeah. I swore they did. Hmm. Well, after the events of, of IMUD, I had expected him to aim a little bit higher with his next scam, <laughs> especially after escaping from the, the android planet. You know, he seemed to be... Uh, in the last one, his ambitions were a lot higher, kind of aiming to have his own, you know, planet of androids to do with as he wished. But now he's backpedaling uh, love potions to miners. It didn't work out, so he had to go back to doing what he does well. Uh, kind of like Han right. Solo, huh? <laughs> In The Force Awakens. He's like, yeah, well, went back to smuggling. What the hell? <laughs> I thought it was kind of interesting. The, uh, the love potion kind of reminded me of... The original um, screenplay for City on the Edge. That, right. You know, and how they were peddling the little jewel drugs. That was a good point. Yeah. And that was the the, the script that they shot down and re-edited to, to take the drugs out. Yeah. They didn't want them on television. I guess things had changed by the time the animated series rolled around and drugs weren't. And this was supposedly aimed at kids too, right? So why would they be okay with <laughs> drugs in this? Aimed at kids, but not written for kids. Yeah. I mean, that's just a consequence of the time slot. But I think in, as far as like, you know, uh, drug use being communicated to kids, like it still ended up with a, uh, a a kind of drugs are bad message, right? Like by the end when everyone's got the hangover and everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or they turn hateful afterwards. So right. it, has a, it has a definite downside after the upside. So yeah. You go through a little bit of a, of a withdrawal afterwards, but uh, they don't make any um, notes about having to, you know, retake it or, you know, how, how the the effect of it on the person you use it on, you know, changes them over time. I guess well, you probably have to keep reapplying it to them if you wanted them to keep loving you. Right. <laughs> For yeah. a tidy profit, I'm sure. 
Once again, show's too short to put in all that pertinent information. That's true. The the short format definitely does cut out a little bit of the the exposition that we we guys we were expecting, or at least I was expecting to get. Um, I had so many lingering questions though from this one. Like again, this isn't something that I've seen in in Trek episodes, especially TOS, and and we've seen this actually. Ian and I we've discussed this in some of the Gold Key. Uh, issues yeah. as well as the the Federation sending its flagship and arguably the best crew that they have in search of one guy. Uh, I right. mean, and was was <laughs> Harry Mudd really uh, like a fugitive? Was he officially a, a Federation fugitive? And, uh, you know, they make specific mention that he's on a planet where Federation law isn't observed in this episode. So the Federation sends Kirk out to a planet that is not part of the Federation to arrest one guy who's just kind of doing petty con games. You know, it's not like it's a a Klingon invasion of the planet or something they're going to stop. That is kind of interesting because you have to wonder what kind of, uh, you know, like international law or, you know, what the equivalent is, right? Maritime law. Yeah. Like, so, so are they able to still you know, pursue criminals in like unaligned space or, or is it, uh, <laughs> was the whole thing just kind of a boondoggle for the enterprise? Yeah. Who know? Oh, and does the, does the prime directive apply at all here? <laughs> I guys, you know, we can throw these questions out the window with the animated series. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but they're so fun to talk about. <laughs> I mean, and Spock cutting a, a large swath in the ground to separate the miners from, from mud uh to save him that seems very extreme i just thought that um it was very strange that they would go out of their way to mention that it's a a, the the federation law doesn't apply there yet the enterprise crew feels perfectly okay to make an arrest of mud on that planet maybe it's so lawless there because as he said uh they're heavy metal miners so they're just you know too metal for the law oh (laughs) i see what you did (laughs) A little too metal. Some pretty cool looking aliens there, though. Yeah, the Ursinoids. Yeah, it's always fun with the animated series to get to see these kinds of things. That it, uh, I thought about Star Trek Beyond when I watched this, um, and how we see the the little Kevins, and to oh, yeah. me, I'm like the Ke- I don't know. I have issue with the Kevins because they're just kind of I don't know. We haven't seen Kevin's before, right? There's something kind of different from from most of the aliens we've seen. And so that's what I think about with the animated series is how these are all, you know, very different aliens that we've never seen. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And we'll never see again. Yeah. At least I don't think we do. Who knows? Yeah, I don't recall seeing any of these guys again uh, in the future. There's some similar looking ones, though. But they're, of course, they're all humanoid. Uh, These guys are humanoid. Bipedal. Humanoid. I thought I thought it was cool. They had a speaking role for him too. Yeah, like I kind of thought that they were like Planet of the Apes at first. Yeah, I don't too. know why. Yeah. With the, the art. I was like, oh, oh my god, this is so cool because of the Planet of the Apes Star Trek <laughs> crossover. And then I was like, oh no, no, they're like Wolfmen or something. So yeah. Yeah, there was one other one that was kind of in the background there next to the Wolfmen. I couldn't. He looked kind of like a raisin, sort of <laughs> shriveled up face. Maybe it was one of the California raisins. Oh, that's what happened to them after the 80s. (laughs) They wound up being space miners. (laughs) Oh, man. I I heard it through the space vines. Oh, my God. Oh, 
Grown worthy. Like the corniest tricorder moment ever here. Well, you know, I, I kind of felt bad, though, for, for Heather for this episode, because I know how much you enjoy the cool artwork and scenery yeah. on some of the planets that we've seen in prior episodes. And this one really didn't have much of that at all. It was mostly no. ship interiors. Yeah, I did like seeing the planet. It's pretty cool, nice and yellow, bright. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think I mentioned before that with the new Netflix update for iPhone, I can no longer do screenshots. No, um, no that's right. Yeah, while I watch it. So I would I would take screenshots and then turn them into my wallpaper or, you know, tweet about them or whatever. And now I can't. So I'm sad. But I did really like the the planets. And there was just that one scene, I guess, um, where they showed the was at the beginning, like the cityscape. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, on, that's cool. The... Yeah. So, I mean, it, yeah, but it was it was very lacking in that part. But I was just also about to comment that I, I love how his stage has like looks like stacks of gold bars. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a traveling stage that he brings with him? Is he like a real snake oil salesman with a wagon? And yeah, they really seem to be playing to that aspect in this episode, like with all the little faces he was making and. Just oh, making yeah. him very deplorable overall. <laughs> yeah, there were several, uh, you know, look at the camera moments yeah. for Bud, and it's like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge sort of. Uh, they were creepy. With the audience. They were a little bit weird. Like I, I think that Mud in in this episode, the animated version of Mud, did not play as well as the the live action. Yeah, Roger C. Carmel Mud. I don't think it translated to the, to the animated series as well as it it, it could have. The voice was yeah. great. It was nice that you had the same inflections and uh, the same reads, but um, just the way that they drew him, especially around the, you know, the mouth and the way his face moved when he talked, yeah. was a little bit strange. Did you pick up on that, Ian? Yeah, totally. And and I think a, a lot of that actually has to do with just the the you know low quality animation <laughs> that they were working with, um, which I you know like. I mean that in technical terms, right? You know, very low frames per second, try to do as minimal, um, you know, movements as possible, like only moving, you know, little bits of his eyes or his mouth and stuff like that. And um, I think when you watch the mud episodes of the original series, so much of what makes Carmel's uh, performance as mud memorable is the really sort of subtle uh, characterizations that he does, like, you know, just with his, his body language and facial expressions and stuff like that. And just because of the format that, the, that I was working with, none of that was able to, to, um, be played. Yeah. Excellent point. He was just a super creep basically. Yep. The animated version. Yeah. I think the, the live action version at least had some bit of charm to him. Um, whether, I mean, he wasn't exactly, you know, the most likable character in the world, but he still had some sort of a charm where you could, you could sort of see his side and, and root for him a little bit. Also with the, uh, the, the animal trafficking, <laughs> the, the, what was it? Rigelian, uh, hip, hypnoid. Hip, yeah. yeah. Hypnoid. Yeah. The shapeshifter. Yeah. Yeah. Question for you guys. Speaking of the shapeshifter, what setting was Spock's phaser on? Is, does this phaser have a, of a, a, a delete shapeshift setting or a shift you back setting because if it was stun why would the thing just walk away and if it was kill it would have been vaporized so 
What setting was it on? It was set to annoy. <laughs> Mild sensation. <laughs> but well, like I said before, this is this is absolutely a uh, a direct continuation of Mud's adventure after I Mud, and um, you know, not only was it was it written that way, but it was written by the same guy. So I mean, all the points of reference were there. Uh, I I was a little bit curious what you guys thought about. Uh, they kind of glossed through it just a little bit of how Mud got out of that scenario on the robot planet. And Kirk actually brings up the fact that he remembers leaving him on that planet full of androids. And pretty much the escape plan was steal a ship. Right. I thought there was a, like, a really good ship? opportunity here for him to have a little bit more of an adventurous escape. Heather, did you... Were you let down a little bit by that? Were you hoping for maybe more of an Indiana Jones type daring escape? No, it was exactly what I thought he would do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, I, you couldn't really let me down anymore with the episode to begin with. Uh -oh. So, Heather's um, flipping her cards. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I was just like, oh, really? Okay, haha, -ha, the end. I don't have much more to say about it than that. Okay. Ian, any headcanon here? <laughs> like, why didn't he just uh, take apart all of the robots and use them to build a spaceship? I mean... <laughs> an interesting looking spaceship. Like, that's basically... Or, or maybe even uh, in the episode where he was on the android planet, wasn't there some kind of big manufacturing base that would... You know, essentially just pump out the robots. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's certain models and they could just crank out tons of them. Yeah. So maybe that he could have used, you know, to um, to build it. Like I would have just somehow expected him to like build some sort of janky uh, escape craft. And then like, you know, find himself on some planet, you know, that, that just happened to be along the course. And then from there the more traditional steal a ship because that was the thing about that planet right was that like nobody ever went there right. if, if if people went there then it probably wouldn't have been mud who you know built the android army you know yeah that's entirely true i i was kind of hoping for more of a of a reversal where mud could wind up talking his way out of it maybe convincing the androids back onto his side and having yeah, yeah. Them, them help him escape that's that sounds like more of a muddish that's how he got into it in the first place. I was kind of hoping for more of a maybe he would show up with a few of them, you know, as his minions or something. and Or maybe they'd be involved in his schemes and helping to make all kinds of money selling drugs. All wearing black turtlenecks with the word henchman written across the Yes, <laughs> very, very Batman 66. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I found really strange, and this stuck out to me um, immediately when they were talking about uh, Mud was giving a description of the dr the love crystals and how they worked, especially when it came to the types of people who were using them on each other. And it, it felt to me like it was written specifically to exclude gay and lesbian use. In fact, it said he says flat out that if you use it on the same sex, you become friends. But if you use it on the opposite sex, love in his own words. <laughs> I, and you know, for a show that had a history of pushing the envelope, and I understand this is a, uh, you know, a cartoon version of it that was aired on Saturday mornings. 
I thought that was really interesting that they chose to actually call that out instead of just glossing over it completely. Um, Heather, did this stick out to you? Uh, I noticed it, but I really wouldn't have expected them to go the other way. Honestly, at that point in time, it just wasn't something Star Trek was doing. And I think that might have been network demand type stuff. I just, yeah, I just, I mean, uh, you know, these the episodes have been kind of wacky. Um, but it's just not something that I that I would expect from the animated series. Um, Star Trek Discovery, yeah. That's a question I would have liked to have asked the writer of the episode is that why they actually included the part about using it in, on, on the, the same sex person to begin with. I mean, it seems like they specifically put it in there, but it seems like something could have easily just left out and kids wouldn't even have thought about it um, at the time. Ian, what do you think? I, you know, I'm totally with Heather that it, I'm sure it was just a, a matter of like the, you know, the, the culture at the time. And when was this like uh 72 when this was, was made three or four maybe 73 yeah um yeah 73. you know where where like the 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 culture in general and uh in particular you know television networks would have gone out of their way to like you know not even acknowledge the existence of uh anything other than like heteronormative you know uh lifestyles so like um that part didn't surprise me, but, um, I do wonder, like part of me wonders cause they had to have been aware of like the whole, you know, like, uh, slash fiction with Kirk and Spock. And then sure. there's that scene later on yeah. where, you know, like they beam down to the planet and I'm wondering if it was to like, you know, kind of preemptively be like, oh. you know, like, no, 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 this is not the, Kirk Spock slash episode. I, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That the, the, they did that to sort of uh, guide expectations, I guess. Yeah. They did really have an, an I love you man moment, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah. It did stick out. Yeah. Kind of arms wrapped around each other. And um, was it Spock was the first one that kind of come out and say, hey, wait a minute, we're being affected by the drugs. And we're getting a little ahead of ourselves yeah. in the plot. But, but that was interesting that Spock seemed to have a very, um, uh, pronounced reaction to the drug, but um, we'll, we'll get there in, in a little bit. I, I wanted to shift a little bit over to uh, Nurse Chapel really gets a lot of screen time uh, in this episode, and I, I found her to be really, uh, I, I guess, high and low. And there's some really strange, questionable things that I think they wrote for her in this one, and there was a couple of really good things that I thought they, they wrote, but overall it was a very uneven feel. Like I, you know, sp specifically I, there were some questionable decisions. I thought they had her make, um, you know, one, one specifically uh, is that she is, you know, the chief nurse. I mean, she's a medical professional with lots of, of working knowledge. And, you know, after overhearing that the love crystals that mud was selling sickened an alien population of another planet, that he sold them to, I thought it was kind of strange that she would risk using them on Spock, knowing that he's at least half non-human, you know, and not knowing what the effect of it would be on him, regardless of how she felt about him. I thought that was kind of a strange thing uh, for her. Ian, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, she was kind of all over the place in, in that, where it, some, at some points she would seem really on character, and then other 
points she would seem really out of character and um i don't know maybe they're trying to give a message like if i'm if i'm being generous here like maybe they're trying to be uh trying to give a message of of you know that's the allure of drugs right you know <laughs> um but like if that doesn't really hold up you know if you spend more than a couple seconds <laughs> thinking about it so i don't know like it, it it was really weird and plus like points to her for thinking yeah you know what i'll just go analyze this and then like <laughs> somehow mud just convinces her oh no 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 don't analyze it just destroy use it. it try it out yeah it'll destroy it yeah and there was just it was uneven yeah, not to mention she accepts the crystal from him into her bare hand instead of some sort <laughs> right. of a petri dish or a tweezer or something. Yeah, and she put has it no in a idea. Ziploc. Yeah, really. Come on, <laughs> use some sort of sample bag or something. <laughs> but um, Heather, do you have any any thoughts about um, the risk that she took using that drug on Spock, knowing that it had adverse effects on other aliens? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think about this stuff, guys, because they don't think about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I don't have like these really insightful opinions about it. I felt like she was written by two different people. Um, sometimes we see the the Christine that we know, you know, like what is she like karate chopped? To, <laughs> the the Kirk chop, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I was like, whoa. But uh, yeah, it was just, the, you know, the parts where she was convinced to, to take the drug and everything else um, is just not who she is. And so I was really excited when I saw her and I was like, oh, great. Another, you know, main female lead. Uh, and then it was just terrible. Yeah, it's no Lorelai <laughs> signal. No, they really I mean, even when even when she was, you know, assertive and, and badass, it just it wasn't enough to make this a good episode in any way. Yeah, it was really weird that she was she comes up behind Mud, chops him, knocks him down, you know, takes a shot at him with the phaser and then is essentially overcome and knocked out by I don't know what. Like, I don't either. But she you, just like lays into him. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like you just you just. He just sort of walks up and that's enough to disable her, I guess. Yeah. I, I just, it, these two versions don't go together for me and I don't really, I don't get it. Yeah. And, you know, that and coupled with her actions, uh, you know, down on the planet's surface after she's been, you know, kidnapped by mud, taken down to the surface, Spock shows up and is, you know, in love with her because of the drug is wrapping his arms around her and she just seems to go with it even though they're in a, you know, a disaster scenario. Well, yeah, right. because she loves him and her dreams have come true. That's what <laughs> women do. Uh, and <laughs> it, it just seemed, you know, I was, I guess, you know, yeah. I, I'm thinking about other episodes where, um, you know, specifically what are little girls made of where, you know, she had a, a real conflict in that episode, you know, finding her long lost fiance and having to choose between, uh, you know, him and her duty to the captain and, and the crew of the Enterprise. And you could feel that in that episode. And I thought that was a, a really great character moment for her. And just to see her reduced to this was just off-putting. Indeed. Mm. Yeah, it, it was um, definitely. Well, we'll get to whether I find this episode essential or not, but you can probably <laughs> gather at this point. Well, we're getting <laughs> We're getting there soon. I mean, I guess I I can glean you guys' overall opinions of 
uh, Chapel's representation, you know, as you said, you think it's pretty uneven. Ah, man. Well, at least as far as uh, Chapel's characterization goes, there there was no redeeming her, like, jumping on Spock's lap and then, like, you know, <laughs> hanging off of him, like, down on the planet while these giant rock monsters are, you know, threatening to kill everyone after they've just smashed an entire shuttlecraft. But there is, for me, some redemption in just, like, getting to, well, I guess... You don't really see Roger Carmel as much as you hear him, but, you know, like just the return of, of him and someone who was just a, a really popular character from the original series. There's there's something to that. But the the plot itself is also just kind of uh, all over the place. Right. You know, they they've gone to pick him up. And then there's that that a plot of the the love rocks. <laughs> and then like. And then they he takes the shuttle and leaves, which, by the way, I, I will say I did love that uh, uh, panorama of the hangar bay. Yes. With all the shuttles lined up in that. Yeah. I always liked that. But And we get to see that alternate shuttlecraft model from the inside. Yeah. Which is cool. Which was cool. But like, so he so he escapes and, you know, takes Chapel down to the um, down to the planet. And like, what was his plan gonna be down there like why you know <laughs> like there's nothing down there is he just gonna like hang out and eat rocks like i'm I, why are they down there i don't it, it there was he just so much it about off. he plays it off by saying you know something to the effect of you know an enterprising man like me can always find you know business opportunities uh and then you know chapel calls him out and says well, there's nobody here and then you know the rock monster opens its eye and you know, right. but then, then again, you never know. Maybe he could have found a way to negotiate with the rock monsters. <laughs> but uh, speaking of the rock monsters, I, I have to say that was probably the high point for me for this episode were those pretty cool looking rock monsters. In fact, I thought one of them looked quite a lot like a, a, a big stone job of the hut. Slug like body with the little arms. It was cuter than that. <laughs> Well, he actually had an extra eye um, and, and big teeth. Jabba doesn't have big teeth. But I thought the, the, the two different rock monsters were pretty imaginative. And, um, you know, that's the kind of stuff I'd like to see in the animated series is those types of um, things that we wouldn't see normally in a, in a TOS episode. Um, we've seen some cool ones in the comic books, though, Ian. Very true. Very true. And um, I, I did love that... Uh... So the second rock monster <laughs> makes it uses the sound effect, the same one that they used for Battle Cat in the old He-Man cartoon, which was also a oh, film. Filmation, yeah, yep. So it must have been like their, uh, you know, like from their library of sounds that they just went and dug that one out of. Yeah, that one and that pterodactyl sound that always gets used. Yep. That's that's constant. We've heard that one in the animated series before, too. I know that was in He-Man a bunch of times. Oh, man. So speaking of risque stuff, what do you guys think of the the Umres and Scotty romance that breaks out when the bridge <laughs> is flooded with gas? Now, I, I is that do you think it's more or less risque than the Kirk and Uhura kiss? You got interspecies romance going on here. <laughs> Heather, did you were you amused by I, that? I, yeah, I don't think it was anything all that special. I did notice that she doesn't purr. No, not at all. At all, so I was kind of glad that she wasn't just sex kitten breasts. 
in this one, but you know, I thought it was cute, but I it's it's not something comparable in my opinion to Kirk and Uhura's kiss. Well, how about how about um how about Zephram Cochran and the Companion Ian? Is it comparable to that? <laughs> in in how ham-fisted it is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, i'm just well, trying to think of an interspecies one to compare it to yeah um it was a little weird it it was like she was basically just there to you know suddenly turn around and notice scotty for once and i like morass and i you know want to see her do more stuff but uh not that kind of stuff i'm i'm not quite into furries so <laughs> she's the original one yeah it was uh it was really kind of uncomfortable to watch did you but did you guys know pick up on the fact that um the the drug is advertised as you having to break the crystal onto your skin and then touch somebody else but when it's airborne through the ship's air systems which apparently must have no filtration at all it just affects everybody yeah because it's just ingested yeah, I thought that was interesting. So is it the first the first person you see, I guess, or the closest person is the one you you fall in love with? The closest person yeah. of the opposite sex, rather? Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> Heather's kind of figured Just out. Just like in real life. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I did love how um I did love how its effect on Eric's was to just make him want to sing and play music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have the worst time because when he talks, all I can think of is James Dewan doing this high-pitched voice. And that's all I see yep. in my head. Um, but yeah, I like that about him. That was pretty cool. I'd like to get to know him better. It's a shame that Uhura and Spock weren't there to also sing and play along with this little jam <laughs> session on the bridge. Yeah. Would have been a lot of fun. But I I, I love that you, you mentioned um, James Doohan doing the voice because I, I always think of whenever I hear A-Rex, I always think of James Doohan doing the Klingon voice um, from <laughs> oh, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, Captain Kirk. It's a <laughs> it's horrible <laughs> Klingon voice. But yeah, it's pretty much the same. Oh, I was just going to say, um, there's also the the two people dancing in the tripe. That cracked me up. <laughs> and not necessarily the dancing, but the music that they were piping in. Yes. Where did that come from? Yeah, it was like... <laughs> kind of jazzy uh big band stuff like yeah <laughs> yeah this episode definitely had kind of an out there vibe you know i found spock to be pretty humorous uh in this episode and uh, he just he didn't seem totally spock even in the beginning hmm. but it was it was funny it was kind of it was interesting yeah, it was a little bit different um spock in love than um uh, was it the side of paradise with the plants yeah. that shot the spores and, and made Spock fall in love? So it was a little bit different. This, this was a little more of like a possessive Spock in love. Yeah. Uh, the other one was more of like a hippie Spock <laughs> in love. Right. But yeah, this is a, an interesting interpretation of what Spock would be like. Yeah. Well, it was, um, his, there was one thing that I just kept noticing, which was like every time Spock would smile, and it looked, you know, we've seen Spock smile. We've, mm. you know, also seen Leonard Nimoy smile. It did not look like him at all. And it was just like, there was something about like the way that he looked when he smiled that was just like, 
kind of an uncanny valley thing for me that just like like oh what is this that sweet christine part where he had his eyes closed he's going sweet oh, christine yeah. that was they, i that totally it's really weird i don't know if it was the if it was the the style of the, the way they drew the smile on his face plus the way nimoy was reciting the lines it seemed like a kind of a combination of the two that made it awkward yeah it just took me right out uh, 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 any other observations, Heather, that you want to share about this episode as we're getting close to wrapping? No, I don't think so. It just, it, yeah, no. It just felt very strange, and it did not really feel like Star Trek to me. Mm. Yeah, speaking of uh, of that, you know, um, one other quick thing that just popped into my head was um, one thing that did flash me back to another Star Trek episode was McCoy under the effects of the drug you know, macking on that that young ensign girl, the red the red skirted girl, reminded me so much of Shore Leave when he was talking to um, what's her name, Martine, down on the planet surface, and he was trying to you know get his swerve on down there. It was very much the same feel. So, used to Forrest Kelly still had that down. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it uh, don't think it really took much for him to get back into that mode. All he has to do is just be McCoy bragging. <laughs> <laughs> Never tell you about the time I saved the whole ship. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, I probably even saved you once. I just don't remember. <laughs> uh, Ian, any uh, any other thoughts on this episode uh, before we get to our essential voting? Just one thing, which is that, like, I wonder if uh, Gold Key took its cue for planet names from this episode. Yeah, oh planet motherload. Right. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> yeah. What is that about? And it's a mining planet. Get Go it? figure. Go figure. That's a little on the nose. <laughs> yeah. 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 Still better than planet question mark, though, Ian. I I, I don't Very think they're going to get any there worse. There was a than planet that. question mark. <laughs> and gold key, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was one of the earlier yeah. ones. Did the Riddler it live was, on It was it? spelled out, too. Now it, yeah, oh, that would have been cool. That spelled been... out is question mark. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It oh, was gosh. Pretty bad. Um, all right. Well, I guess if nobody has anything else they'd like to comment on for this one, I think we can go ahead and get to our essential votes. And Heather, you already kind of half flipped your cards, so why don't you jump in there? Is, is there anything that this episode adds to the Trek universe that you think is essential going forward? No. <laughs> I mean, it's as simple as that. Sorry. Um, you know, if you want to go watch something with mud in it, feel free. But this is by far the worst of it. So you can skip over this one, guys. Ian, your thoughts? Yeah, it's it's hard because uh, the fact that it's a sequel and it has mud, you know, one of the very rare instances of a of a guest star with a you know, a voice, right? Like, um, but just the, the story is so <laughs> forgettable really. Yeah. Um, yeah. that I, I, I can't in good conscience give it a, a an essential rating. Yeah. I'm going to hold off on mine as I usually do to the end of the commentary section uh, with Craig Cohen here coming up in a few minutes. But uh, one thing I will say for, for sure, as I agree with Heather, this is the worst of the three mud entries <laughs> I'm a iMud apologist. I absolutely love iMud. Um, not a big fan of Mud's women, but I really, really do like iMud. So this does not even come close uh, to comparing. 
All right, so that wraps up our conversation section of this episode. Stay tuned for our commentary track coming up with Mr. Craig Cohen right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the commentary track for the animated series episode number 10, Mud's Passion. I'm Jeff Hewlett, and with me, as always, is Mr. Craig Cohen. Hi, Jeff, and uh, happy 2017. This is actually... The first time we're talking uh, in the new year. Yeah, good point. I didn't even think about it. It's uh, It's been a while since we did one of these, and it's always nice to get back together with you and, and talk through these animated series episodes. And uh, we've been doing these commentary tracks for almost four years now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. I still always think back on just our our initial run of the uh you know the original series, uh, including um, that original pilot. Um, and I'm just still amazed at the, uh, you know, the commitment we had and yeah. also, the, uh, you know, the quality uh, of the product as well. It's it's something I'm very proud of. Oh, me too. Me too. Um, I I've, originally we had thought that we were going to do just the original series and call it a day and uh, wound up we, we continued on and started doing animated series. And it's always really cool to sit down and, and look back at our our catalog and realize just how long we've been at this and and the amount of commitment i don't know if we both realized the level of commitment going into it <laughs> what it yeah. would turn out to be mm-hmm. yeah. yeah no no totally i mean i think sometimes if you think too much about it you you psych yourself out that's true not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that is true but yeah yeah and, and we you know in, in the meantime we've also started up other projects too so I and mean, we've got our slycast project and we're part of zilch the monkeys podcast you've got your other podcast that you're involved in and it's it's um god there's just so much stuff that's come out of this show uh, over the years it's it's amazing and and here we are still uh still putting these out so definitely a good start to the new year oh yeah absolutely so are you ready to jump into our commentary track for much passion all right so uh, as we always have done, we're going to give you guys out there in listener land a three count before we start so that you can synchronize your DVDs, uh, Netflix, oh, and our Blu-rays. I know animated series out on Blu-ray now. So you can sync these up with us uh, at the end of our three count and listen to us talk along. So go ahead and get your stuff queued up, and we're going to start our commentary track in three, two, one. All right. Standard star field as always. Oh yeah, yeah. I never get tired of this theme. It's a great theme. It really is, and you know, it's, it bears mentioning too, really quick. While I have a second now, uh, back in uh, November December time frame, there actually was a 50th anniversary audio CD set that came out that had all of the music from the animated series on it. Oh wow! So if you love the music from the animated series, there's a lot of other stuff on it too. But if you love the music from the animated series, seek that out and get a copy because uh, I have one and it sounds phenomenal. Yeah. And you know what? I'd imagine if this series had been made a, a couple years later or maybe a couple years before, they would have used the uh, the classic, you know, uh, original series music. And, hmm. and I bet you that this was more of probably like a, a rights issue or something like that. Oh, more than likely, yeah, they didn't want to pay to use the Alexander Courage theme song, but uh, I actually kind of like the animated series intro theme. It's it's fun and it's kind of seventies throwback. Totally. Yeah. So here we have Mud's Passion. Uh, started forty nine seventy eight point five. Seems a little late 
Yeah, and we're in an, in an Arcadian star system. I don't know if I've ever heard of the Arcadian star system before. Yeah, and I also think it's um interesting that uh, Kirk refers to Mud as their friend with no hint of sarcasm. Yeah, really. <laughs> like, there's no like I don't know if if Shatner just didn't didn't know how to, to you know how to play that or. Or what? But it just seemed to me like the line as written, it, it should have been like sarcastic because Mud clearly wasn't their friend. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, I and I was a little bit shocked. Well, we later on when we get into the episode proper, we'll hear a little bit more about um, Mud and and how he got where he is now. But it just seems strange to me that the Enterprise would be sent on a mission to find this guy. <laughs> I mean, don't they have some you know Federation security that can go track this guy down? You need to send the Federation flagship after him. Yeah, it seems like almost a waste of resources. You know, you've got this, you know, this this starship that, you know, with with an, an incredible, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, amount of talent on board. Yeah, exactly. And it seems to be wasting their time. Now, uh, on screen here, we're seeing Mud once again engaged in a swindling con. And I have to say, well, before we talk about the swindling con, I have to say that it's really cool to see some of these like wolfman like aliens, one of which yeah. had a speaking part there for a second which is kind of cool it's one of those cool animated series things that we wouldn't have seen on the original series i really really enjoy that but at the same time oh go ahead no no go for it i was just gonna say i'm a little disappointed uh that they went with another love potion type (laughs) con with mud i mean you know i i really loved what they did with imud and him trying to have like a little clone army or a robot clone army that would um you know, help him take over whatever he wanted. But this is here he is again with some phony baloney, you know, money making scheme. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't his ambitions be bigger than this? Yeah. And he always seems to just pick on the uh, sort of blue collar. Yeah. What's up with miners? Why does he keep going after miners? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and what setting was Spock's phaser on right there? It was on the shape uh, reveal shapeshifter setting. All right, it was. I, I'm, I'm thinking it wasn't definitely wasn't stunned because that lizard wasn't stunned and definitely wasn't kill. Mm-hmm. So. Now, is that the first instance of a shapeshifter too on the series? Um, mm, no, we had the uh, the survivor. Oh, had the right. tentacle guy was a shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, that was a, that was the whole the, the whole plot of that episode. Yeah. Now this seems like an extreme reaction from Spock here, digging mm-hmm. a huge trench with his phaser. Yeah. Uh, couldn't they just beam that out of there? I don't, I don't think they needed to get that extreme with it. Yeah, but, and it almost seems like it could possibly be a violation of the Prime Directive. Oh, potentially true. Well, because we, we found out that it was a, not a Federation planet, which was actually kind of a smart move on Mud's part, going to a non-Federation affiliated planet that uh, on which the laws of the Federation didn't apply. So technically, they shouldn't have been able to arrest him for that. Right. <laughs> and I, I, I don't think it's um it's actually mentioned during the episode um or in the credits, but we've actually got uh Roger Carmel back doing yes. the voice of Mud. Yes, that was a very cool part. And the animated series has this happen a couple times with guest actors returning, which I, I love that they come back and it's although the depiction of Mud here I think is not exactly up to snuff. I think he doesn't look exactly like he did on the show. On the anime, on the original series, but it, it's close enough. Yeah, I think maybe they like the artists were going from memory. They like they watched the original series episode, maybe or remembered watching the original series episodes, and yeah. uh, maybe had a publicity photo of Roger Carmel, and we're like, okay, we got Potentially. it. But well, I I really do like that they meant they kind of have a tie back to iMud here, though. 
Mm-hmm. That's really cool because they 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 mention how he got away and well he says he he borrowed a vehicle and Spock says you know he stole a vehicle but at any rate it's cool that they acknowledge the fact that they thought they left him on that robot planet. Yeah, yeah. Now do you, now do you think in a in an alternate universe uh, you would have liked to have seen more of these episodes that sort of you know uh, revisited characters or or locations that oh, we've sure. seen before? Most certainly. That that's something I really like about the animated series is some of the continuations that they they were able to pull off, and I, I'm I'm kind of hoping that uh, some of our future Star Trek series that are supposed to be starting up soon give us some kind of uh, you know more follow up since it's supposed to happen uh, after the original series. Yeah, you know what I was thinking about, you know that Batman '66 uh, movie that came out a couple months ago where they got Adam West and Burt Ward. Um, and they sort of did a, a, a Batman, you know, that, you know, exists in that 1966 universe. And, you know, sadly, we've lost so many of the original series cast members. But I, I really wonder if anybody's toyed with the idea of sort of resurrecting that original series cast in animated form. Hmm. Because it's, it seems like in terms of Star Trek, uh, y- you know, you never really beat that nostalgia trip of you know i guess next generation or or original series at this point and mm-hmm. you know with the success of batman 66 i'm wondering if i'm wondering if anybody sat up and sort of um you know took notice or or even what the the legalities would be with you know i guess dealing with so many different estates mm, true well i guess we'll find out uh in the near future hopefully when the new series launches but um mm-hmm. So I, I, clearly Mud was saying that he doesn't have any more of these crystals on him and he had to go back to his ship to get them. But here he is with these crystals in his hand. Obviously, they didn't search him well. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, and it, and it doesn't put me, you know, I, I don't put it past him to, you know, to pull that off. Oh, of course. Of mm-hmm. course. But, well, you know, this is another thing that I thought was a little bit strange, but he goes to the lengths to explain that the potion – is very specific uh, and and if it's a man and a man they're just friends if it's a woman and a woman they're just friends <laughs> but if, if you're if you're a man and a woman then you're in love so i guess you know gays and lesbians you're out of luck with this pill with this crystal <laughs> yeah. so you're not going to get your uh the, the person you're crushing on uh, if they're the same sex that won't work for you yeah maybe there's a, a specialty variant of that mm. Yeah, it's another market for maybe that uh you know mud didn't feel like exploring mm. but i i do like that this sort of you know um callback if you will to you know the the relationship between you know spock and and nurse chapel and yeah. you know how she sort of always kind of pined for him yeah no i agree i, I like that they they tied that back too so i mean you've got two really good ties you've got the tie to i mud and you've got the tie to the spock and chapel which actually wasn't that big of a deal later on in the original series it was a little bit more towards the beginning in the middle of the original series so that was kind of written out yeah more or less but you know another thing that kind of bugs me a little bit here is that chapel is a trained doctor and scientists, why did she not have that thing like in a petri dish or yeah. or some tweezers? I mean, she just took it right into her hand. I mean, she doesn't know what mud's handing her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm I'm just I'm a little bit put off by her gullibility in this episode. I feel like Nurse Chapel would be a little smarter than this. I mean, she did. She the only time we saw her kind of under the charms of a of a man in the original series was when she found her long lost fiance in what her little girl's made of. Right. And she there was a there was a conflict there and you could feel the conflict and you could understand the conflict. 
but I, I, f- I have a feeling that her she would more easily put her duty over this potential crush on Spock uh, and not trust Harry Mudd. <laughs> yeah, I think we just have to chalk it up to a moment of weakness. Um, and also here we get the that ID card. Yeah, what's up with this? <laughs> We've never seen an ID card before. And why would he bother taking the picture off, but not the name? <laughs> yeah. Uh. yeah, like obviously the ship's computers is it aren't aren't scanning the photograph or or if they are, they're not cross-referencing with the name. No, not at all. I mean, you would think it would have some sort of a you know identity chip mm-hmm. on the card or something, but uh, and it's not like it's a, a card that they they display or they wear. No, not at all. In fact, I don't think we've ever seen an identity card like that before mm-hmm. uh, in any Star Trek series. But um, I don't know if we see one again either. I don't recall seeing one after this. No, in these episodes, but yeah, that you know, and I guess it. <sighs> This is another thing that bothers me a little bit about Nurse Chapel attempting to use this thing. I mean, we heard earlier on that uh, Mud had sold it to a bunch of aliens on another planet, and they all got sick off of it. Right. Now, you would think Nurse Chapel, as a physician, would think, wait a minute, <laughs> Spock is half Vulcan. Uh, this pill may make him sick. Yes. Uh, doesn't even think about it. Uh, just goes through and does it anyway. And I, I, I doesn't seem, it seems very out of character for yeah. Nurse Chapel to me. Yeah, I think we have to do a whole bunch of um, sort of um, plot convenience, uh, you know, decision points with her on, on this uh, this episode. Mm, I agree. And here we see is a delayed reaction on <laughs> Spock's part. But I do kind of like the fact that Nimoy gets to do some of these um, more emotive lines. Oh, yeah. Great Kirk karate chop by Chapel there. Obviously, she's gone to the James T. Kirk School of Self-Defense. <laughs> Yeah, and I also liked in that previous scene uh, Spock's um, emotions on his face. I think the animators yep. did a a really uh, good job of capturing the uh, you know uh, the emotion uh, in Spock um, with you know not as much detail to work with. I agree. I agree. The, you know, these are very simple simple figures, but it's cool that they were able to capture uh, you know Spock you know closing his eyes and smiling a little bit there, giving us a a visual indicator of the pill actually working and what his feelings are. But I, this scene is a little bit awkward to me too. I feel like, you know, Chapel could have just easily stunned him at any second. They didn't need to do all this dialogue here. (laughs) Yeah. You know, just stun him, put him back in, in the brig and call it a day. And I mean, how bad of a shot does she have to be to actually Mm -hmm. miss him? This is practically point blank range. Yeah. Well, you know, those days where she was going to the Captain Kirk School of Judo, um, she might have also uh, been attending uh, classes with uh, with Greedo from Star Wars. There you on, go. <laughs> Good point. See, and he and he just he kind of bull charges her. And I don't understand how he knocks her out. Yeah, <laughs> he's got some kind of uh, it looks like an elbow nerve pinch, maybe. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. And uh, I, I guess I mean, she probably stop picking this thing apart. <laughs> but there are just some things that made me shrug my shoulders and and I love the fact that A-Rex whistles. I I love the the bridge crew's reaction to mm-hmm. Spock showing emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now now one thing that I think you're sort of you know putting a spotlight on is you know the limitations of sort of 
uh, a 30 minute running time true you know, be- before commercials but then also the audience where I think airing on Saturday mornings they knew that they could get away with a little bit more and didn't have to you know sort of um, explain away some some what what true. we consider consider plot holes agreed agreed I, I i am taking it out of the context in which it was originally aired and intended so yeah but i mean it's it's I, i'm not saying that it should be forgiven but <laughs> <laughs> you definitely you definitely understand it yeah I, well you know i i do like that kirk is is making what i think is a good decision mm-hmm. and instead of trying to you know restrain spock or put him in a sick bay knowing spock's strength and cunning Instead, he he decides, you know, I'm just going to accompany him down to the planet and, and try to rescue Christine. Uh-huh. So, uh, technical question, though. Now, does the Enterprise ventilation system have no filtration <laughs> built in? So, essentially, something that gets sucked into the return uh, in the shuttle bay can wind up coming out of the uh, output on the bridge. Yeah, I mean, you'd think, if anything, the bridge would really have its own isolated um source yes agreed um oh cool thing about this episode that i really do like is that they're not they're not using the galileo as the shuttlecraft and we get to see the inside of this alternate shuttlecraft yeah that we haven't seen before this is a different model as we've seen from the outside the nacelles are sort of on the side and it has these other um i don't know what they are hanging off the bottom of it but it's a different design mm-hmm. than the shuttlecrafts that we've you know, come to know and love over the years of the original series. And even in the animated series, we've seen the Galileo used yeah. again. So, uh, and in Gold Key Comics, we've seen the Galileo used. Oh, yeah. So, interesting. And I guess we're, we're, we're seeing the bridge crew is, is now under the effects <laughs> of the love potion, although they haven't touched each other, yeah. which was supposed to be a requirement. And now, is this more risque? Is is an interspecies love moment right there with Scotty and Umres more risque or less than the Kirk and Uhura kiss? <laughs> oh man, I I, I I've got to say that I think you know based on um, you know uh, the, the social uh, you know situation at the time that the the Kirk Uhura kiss was probably a little bit more risque. Probably. Probably. Yeah. But interspecies, I mean, that's kind of pushing it. Well, Star Trek pushing the boundaries, <laughs> as always. And, and that did feel like sort of a, a nice sort of original series, um, you know, a scenario that I think would have really, really worked well live action is to see, um, you know, the cast interact like that. Hmm. Well, maybe we'll Although see I that on the new series. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I guess also on the original series, you wouldn't have really had many, um, many key female uh, actors to utilize um, unless you brought back uh, a lot of the guest stars, uh, you know, who were uh, who were crew members. True. You really only had Uhura and occasionally Nurse Chapel. <laughs> but uh, oh, I love that A-Rex is also a musician. So now we have three musicians on the ship. We've got Spock, Uhura and A-Rex. And I love how he keeps his his instrument. Uh, on the on bridge, the bridge yeah. ready to go. You never know when you might need it. <laughs> yeah, and you know you have to be uh, one of one of A-Rex's, uh species to play that instrument. Cause it's probably got about fifty strings on it, so he needs two hands. Yeah, and, oh, and here's some of that, I guess, uh, heterosexual um, 
uh, yeah, platonic bonding. <laughs> oh man, I, I. But it's funny because you don't think that Kirk and Spock need that. Um, no, you know, to to express their uh, their friendship for each other. Not at all. Well, Spock would need it for the emotional part of that. Yeah. Display. Now, here's probably my favorite part of this entire episode. A gigantic Jabba the Hutt rock monster. He looks like a giant rock Jabba the Hutt, doesn't he? Yeah, and you know what? I think about, you know, Star Trek V and and the rock monster that uh, uh, Shatner wanted to utilize. Man, this would have been been a perfect template. Absolutely. It looks like a giant slug. Yeah. With three eyes. But he's really cool looking. I have to say, you know, for the amount of criticism that this show gets uh, for the quality of the animation, I think those rock monsters look pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, they look a little bit more sophisticated. Oh, God, this cracks me up. <laughs> I laughed so hard the first time I saw that transporter room scene with the with the two uh, technicians dancing to that piped in music. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. I think everybody on the Enterprise right now is in a court martial situation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, too funny. Poor thing. And and we did we neglected to mention also that the poor shuttlecraft once again got destroyed. Mm-hmm. So it joined the ranks of the Galileo many times over. <laughs> and we have another destroyed shuttlecraft. Uh shame. So Spock is able to see through the drug as he sees through many different things over the course of the many different series and episodes that uh, says, by the way, the drug is, and, and I love that Harry's Harry Mudd is surprised that the drug actually works. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you think he would have seen evidence of this prior because he's, he's been talking about the fact that he's sold it uh, to other races and people in the past. Right. So you think he would know that would probably work. I love that McCoy mentions Uhura, but she's not actually in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, McCoy's pretty smooth here. Yeah. He is pretty smooth putting this uh, the, the moves on this unnamed red-skirted ensign. But strange that Harry Mudd. So we get the expose here that Harry Mudd actually got these crystals from what he calls a creature. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And I guess he got a, only a finite amount as well. This isn't something that he could recreate or, or get more of because as we'll find out here in a second. He's only got two pills left. Yeah. I, I think if you gave him enough time, though, he'd find a way to replicate it. Hmm. Maybe put it inside of a, a Tribble. Ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what would happen if you took the crystal and then you touched a triple. Oh, no. Oh, boy. <laughs> You'd be stuck to that triple for life. Look at Arex with his third leg crossed across the other two. You ever wonder how someone with three legs crosses their legs? Oh. Now you know. Uh. Now you know. So apparently this drug wears off much faster on the bridge crew. Mm-hmm than it does on others. Like, Spock and Chapel are still, even though they were the first ones to be affected by it, they're still under the effects of it, while the bridge crew has only was only affected for a minute or two, or three. Yeah, maybe the maybe the bridge actually did have a, a filtration system, oh. or it just wasn't, you know, uh, strong enough to completely um, counteract the effects. Oh, good call. Good call. 
Nice. But, you know, and I have to say that I believe very strongly that um, Lieutenant Mress should be court-martialed for her response to that emergency beam-out request. <laughs> why, would she, why would you respond verbally to an emergency beam-out request? Wouldn't you emergency beam them out immediately? Oh, yeah, totally. Enterprise here. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's an emergency beam-out request. Yeah. Therefore, it's an emergency. Uh, so what exactly happened to these creatures, these rock creatures, when the pills were ingested? Y you see Kirk and company start to smile as if they were ha the pills were having their intended effect. But when, in fact, these creatures are becoming extremely violent, right? they're not loving each other. They're trying to kill each other. And now Kirk and company may be uh, collateral damage. Mm -hmm. Unless that's the mating ritual of that rock creature. Oh. But still, how would how would Kirk and company know that? No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. I and like now, this concept, too, of the um, uh, dilithium crystals that were procured with, what, fake uh, Federation credentials. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I, I, I find it very fascinating that Mud is just sitting here confessing to crime after crime after crime <laughs> to Nurse Chapel. Uh, you think they made him take his own love pills and, and fall in love with Chapel so that he would divulge all of his secrets? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, who knows? But, uh, so, Mud seems to think he's going to get rehabilitation therapy again, mm -hmm. which obviously wasn't very effective the first time. Nope. Or, the, or, the, or any of the subsequent times. I guess he's had it mul maybe multiple times. But, bizarre ending to this episode and, and kind of a foreboding uh you know foreshadow that mud may return again in the future like they wanted to leave it open yeah with mud referring to the enterprise crew's loved ones and saying that he's going to miss them yeah i, I almost I'm, I'm surprised that or or maybe uh if it was more successful we would have gotten a mud spin-off animated series oh there you go maybe that's what they were planning <laughs> <laughs> well we're at the end credit roll and yes. uh, that means it's time for our essential voting. And uh, why don't you take the helm? Uh, okay, yeah. I think in terms of the animated series, I would consider this um, an essential episode for a, a couple reasons. I mean, we get uh, the return of a, a classic uh, original series character. Um, and we also get introduced to a bunch of new species. Um, and we also get the concept of the ID card. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. agreed um you know i'm gonna throw out so you're giving an essential yes sir okay so i'm gonna throw out the fact that mud returns in this episode because i feel it's kind of almost a recycled story in a way um mm -hmm. uh, you know with the uh you know the, the mud's women plot line with venus drug but that I don't think is going to take away from the fact that there are a couple things in this episode that that could make it essential. Like you said, one is that ID card that Chapel had. I thought we, that's pretty fascinating. And um, I love the fact that you get to see the interior of this different model of shuttlecraft. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool. So, that, I mean, this is not something that the animators – just looked up some reference shots of and and recreated it. This is something that they had to invent. So they're inventing some new canon here. 
uh, yeah. with this different model of shuttlecraft and the interior of it. So pretty cool. And of course, those interesting aliens at the beginning, even though we don't get to know what they are, they don't tell us what the species are. It was kind of cool to see a couple new alien races kind of thrown in there totally. uh, at the beginning. So I guess this is a double essential. And as we, we round out, Heather, where can people find you online? Okay, so on Twitter, you can find me at Sketching Venus. And on Facebook, um, Jeff and I both moderate the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas convention group. Uh, you can find us there and you can find me. But if you add me as a friend, please send me a message so that I know who you are. Ian, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ian128K is in Kilo. And uh, that's that's pretty much it. That's I've kind of uh, been avoiding Facebook lately, so uh, <laughs> I'm pretty much just on Twitter these days. That brings us to the end of another episode of the Tricorder Transmissions. Thanks, as always, for listening. You can find us online at www.thetricordertransmissions.com, facebook.com slash thetricordertransmissions, and on Twitter at ttt underscore pod. We'll see you next time. <laughs>